again here at Lakeview Baptist Church here in Mena, Arkansas. And my privilege to be here many times through the years. In fact, the first time was in the late 80s, I'm sure. 87, I'm thinking, is what it was. And uh, I was one of the young guys then. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I'm in the other crowd. (laughs) But it's good to be here. I appreciate your hospitality, the fellowship, the messages. You'll open the Word of God to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. You'll read my text this morning. Hebrews, the 13th chapter, verse 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Great and vital spiritual truths have their counterparts in the physical world. God illustrates in the physical world the things that exist in the spiritual world. For example, we talk about the new birth. And that is illustrated by the physical birth and compared in Scripture. We speak about spiritual fruit. And trees and vines bear physical fruit. There is spiritual death. And that is witnessed by physical death. There is the family of God. And isn't it interesting that God put mankind into families? Yes. There is a special relationship between Christ and the church. Its yes. counterpart is that that exists in the marriage between a man and a woman. Yes. So many of these particular great truths we could point to this morning, yes. illustrated in the natural world. But another of these great spiritual truths that is used and uh, is illustrated by something physical is the relationship of a shepherd and the sheep. The relationship of the great shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, and his sheep, the elect, is illustrated by that of the shepherd in the Old Testament and New Testament alike and which still exists today. In 1978, that was in Jerusalem. And as we were entering into the new part of the city, guess what? I looked out the bus window to see a shepherd leading his sheep. And there in that country, the shepherd leads the sheep. The sheep look to the shepherd. And this illustration is used often by the Lord Jesus and by the other writers that God used in his word to illustrate the relationship between Christ and his people. And Luke chapter 15, we have one of these incidents recorded. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. Now it is interesting that God's sheep were found among the publicans and the sinners. And they drew near to hear him. Now the religious folks had problems with that. For the Pharisees and scribes murmured saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. They didn't have a clue, did they? No. No clue. He spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost, and find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me. 
for I have found my sheep which was lost. Now that is quite a relationship that existed between the shepherd and the sheep. But it illustrates perfectly that relationship that our Lord Jesus has with us who are also likened unto sheep. Sheep are harmless creatures and they do not have any means of self-defense. Perhaps the only thing that they have would be a hard head. And, uh, but they are prone to wonder, yeah. prone to go astray. And so they need a shepherd. And the good shepherd goes after the straying sheep, the sheep that are lost, and brings them to himself. Shepherds had the work of protecting the sheep. Yes. David, on two different occasions, put his life on the line to protect the sheep yes. when both a lion and a bear came against the flock and he killed both the lion and the bear. You think about what a brave young man that was to take without a gun yes. to go after the lion and after the bear. But that's what the shepherds did. The Lord That caused him to picture in his mind the relationship that he had with the Lord and to say the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not walk. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. The good shepherd was the one who would always seek the lost sheep, which were precious, very precious. That's why there was such rejoicing when the lost sheep was found, because the sheep belonged to the shepherd. They were in his by gift to care for and to provide for. Now these facts and many more that I can cite this morning illustrate the sacrificial work of our great and good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, in behalf of his sheep, the elect of God, which includes ourselves. I hope that you will treasure the relationship that you have with your great shepherd as we think about this relationship for a few moments this morning. First of all, I want to call your attention to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the great shepherd yes. of the sheep. Yes. We start with him. It's all about him. Yes. Is it not? Yes. Our text again, now the God of peace that brought again from the dead, that great shepherd <coughs> of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Biblical prophecy in the Old Testament had declared Christ to be the great shepherd. This, this particular analogy is used often, starting in Genesis chapter 49. Genesis 49 and verse 24 reads, But his bow, a bow in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel from thence, from Israel. Of course, according to the flesh, Christ was born of that people. But this particular analogy is used by Ezekiel as well. The Lord actually speaking through Ezekiel in Ezekiel 34, verse 11. For thus saith the Lord God, Behold I, even I will both search out my sheep and seek them out, as a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered. So will I seek out my sheep 
and will deliver them out of all places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. Drop down to verses 15 and 16 and note further. I will feed my flock. I will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord God. I will seek that which was lost and bring again that which was driven away and will bind up that which was broken and up, bind up that which was broken and will strengthen that which was sick. But I will restore the fat of the strong. I will feed them with judgment. This is why this relationship that the Lord Jesus will speak about being the good shepherd in John chapter 10. But it was that which David saw, as we've noted in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. And David knew that the care and the provision that the Lord made for him was even far greater than yes. what he could do in caring for his father's sheep. There are other biblical statements that identify the Lord Jesus as the great shepherd of the sheep. He referred to himself in John 10 as the good shepherd. That is, he is good in character, his person. He's perfect. He is without fault. He is the good shepherd in character. Here in the book of Hebrews, he's called the great shepherd because he's great in his accomplishments. He is great in his office. And he is thus referred to as the great shepherd of the sheep. But then we want to take a look at the sheep. The sheep being all of God's elect. Ephesians 1.4 teaches us, according as He had chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. Now the sheep are Christ's sheep by gift from the Father. The Father gave the sheep unto the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 6 verse 37, Jesus said, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Amen. Now, we were given to Him before we came to Him. Not at the same time. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And he that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. The reason the sheep come to Him is because they know His voice. They know Him. And they have that implanted in their hearts in the new birth. They know the Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep. Listen to the Lord's words in John chapter 17, looking at verses 6 through 10. The Lord spoke these words the night before He died. And He said this, I have manifested Thy name unto the men which Thou gavest Me out of the world. He always stressed the sheep were given to Him by the Father. Thine they were, and Thou gavest them Me, or to Me, because that's an indirect object there. And they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. The Lord Jesus did not act independently of the Father, but in harmony always Amen. and in perfect obedience to the Father. Amen. And they have received them, and they have known surely that I came out from thee. And they have believed that Thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world. Now here's something interesting for our dear people that do not understand that the word world is used different ways in the Scriptures. Why would Christ die for a world He wouldn't pray for if all the world always means all the people all the time? 
How would, why would he die for a people he wouldn't pray for? It's different worlds. The world he died for is the world he prayed for. That's what he's praying for. This is his prayer. And there's a world out there that he doesn't pray for. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me. For they are thine. He explained who the world was in the second part of the verse. All and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. He is called the Good Shepherd because the Good Shepherd gave his life. He died for the sheep. Let's turn to John 10. That's a wonderful chapter to look at in verses 14 and 15. He says, I'm the good shepherd and know my sheep and the known of mine. There's a double knowledge there. He knows his sheep and his sheep know him. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I laid down my life for the sheep. He didn't die for the goats. No, no, he no. laid down his life. And by the way, we were never goats. We were never goats. We acted like goats. But we were not goats according to the eternal purpose of God. We had our conversation, our conduct, our way of life was like the rest of the world. We were like them in our behavior. But we were not like them in who our purpose and our eternal calling consisted. We are the sheep of the great covenant. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ considers us his sheep because of purchase. Not only were we given unto him, but then he purchased us with his own precious blood. The Apostle Peter gives in 1 Peter 2, 25 these words. He said, For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. We were returned to him because we were his by purchase. He, he is the one who by his blood caused us to be his. We are the sheep of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the great shepherd through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Amen. You want to know what he paid for us? He paid for us with his blood. Yes. That is the greatest price that ever could be paid. Greater love hath this, no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Now the sheep are shown in Scripture first to have consisted of Israel because in the sending out of the apostles the first time the Lord sent them out Matthew 10 records it. He gave them specific instructions. He said in verse 5 of chapter 10 in Matthew, these twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them saying, go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans enter you not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This is why later we read in Romans that Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation of everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. God has first his people in Israel. Then he is calling out from the Gentiles a people for his name. So the Lord then sent them in the Great Commission to preach among all the nations or the Gentiles of the world. Remember the Lord Jesus here in the Gospel of John chapter 10 and verse 16 made this statement. He said, another sheep, and I'm so glad for that statement, yes, right. another sheep I have. Which are not of this fold, that we didn't belong to Israel, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, 
And there shall be one fold, one shepherd. Amen. There's something about that voice, yes. the voice of the Lord. The brother was talking about it in the previous message. Others have. The Lord speaks to His people. He speaks to us. I knew when the Lord was speaking to me as a 15-year-old boy. I, I had professed faith at seven, had been baptized, was a member of a church. They called on me to pray. And I knew that the people were going to say when I made them know that I was lost and the Lord had saved me that night. Well, we thought you were already saved. Yeah. It's not what men think that counts. Yes, right. Right. But I don't remember a thing the preacher said that night. But I still remember exactly what the Holy Spirit was doing yeah. in my heart and saying in my heart. That's what I remembered. I will never forget all of that. Now the Bible speaks further of the Gentiles and that includes us as being the sheep. When you come over to Matthew chapter 25, the Lord Jesus gives these words. Matthew 25, verse 31, When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory, and before Him shall be gathered all nations. Now if you look at that word nations, ethnos, that's the same as the word Gentiles comes from. And He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divided His sheep, from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. That is because Jesus Christ is the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. But let's consider thirdly here the seeking of the lost sheep. Because there came that time when the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world to seek out His sheep. God's elect were created in Christ Jesus. We have an argument going on in this world. When does life begin? Does life begin at a certain time when the baby is viable, as they say? Or does it be begin at, at uh, conception? Well, both of those are wrong. Life began in creation. You were created in Adam. Brother Crawford used to say, the atoms that were in Adam are in us. And that's true. He's our, he is our head. Not just representative head, He is our natural head. We were in Him when He sinned, just like Levi was in the loins of Abraham when Abraham paid tithes. Isn't that the comparison that is given in the Scriptures? We were created in Adam. We have our existence in Him. So when He fell, we fell. Many want to limit this just to a representative, but He is a natural head of all mankind. For when He sinned, we sinned, we fell, we were alienated from God in the fall of Adam. In Romans 5, 12, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and so death by sin, so that death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And then we read in Ephesians 2, 3, Among whom we all have our conversation, our conduct, our way of life. The Bible uses that term conversation differently than we use it. Conversations, two people sitting down over a cup of coffee talking about a number of things. Conversation in the Bible is your conduct, your way of life, your mode. And we did that in the past in the lust of our flesh. It's what we wanted to do. That's right. That's what man thinks. And what I want to do is right. Anything I want to do, I should be able to do. 
fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath. Wrathful behavior is the sense, even as others. We were we were partaking of that same oh, yeah. behavior, which uh, uh, which causes the wrath of God to come, uh, even as those who are were goats. Mm -hmm. And then we further alienated ourselves from God by our choosing to sin. Right. We cannot blame Father Adam for everything, can we? We've all chosen to sin. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every man to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Our own way is the problem here. Yes. There's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. But not only do we choose sin, we practice sin. That's what we did as fallen sheep. We practiced. We were alienated. And we were separated from God. We considered Him an enemy. We didn't, we didn't think of Him as one we wanted to seek. We didn't seek the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd had to seek us. Yes. You know, people talk about searching for God. I want to tell you something. No one has ever sought out God, but God first sought Him. Now, some people then, because they don't know, they may be searching. But there's a quickening to new birth before there is the, the actual expression of the new life by one's confession of faith and trusting and acknowledging the Lord Jesus. A good illustration of this is the man that was born blind. And the Lord healed him. And uh, so, you know, study that. He was telling those people what the Lord had done for him. And then Jesus came back and he found him. And he, he said, do you believe on the Son of God? He said, who is he? That I might believe on him. The gospel that we preach doesn't quicken men to life. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit does that. Come on. The gospel is that which brings before us the one who is the Savior in whom we trust. Yes. We're not saved by our faith. No. We're saved by His blood, His yes. life, His resurrection. It's what He did. Yes. But our faith is what brings us into an experience of it and an enjoyment of it. That we are ones who are thus blessed of God. How would you know that if you didn't believe? If you can't believe? There's people who have trouble with that. But the Scripture makes it very plain. The Spirit quickens us to life. It is the Spirit that quickens. It is He who made us alive. It is what He has done. Not what I do. Man wants to get in everything and get some of the glory. All the glory belongs to the Lord Jesus. But the Lord Jesus came to seek his lost sheep. He left his father to go after a lost sheep. Yes. He was the center of attention and glory in heaven. Yes. He had a glory with the Father before the world was. And that glory he left to come after lost sheep. What a sacrifice he made. He is the surety of the New Testament, the better testament. Yes. The Bible says that new covenant. And that covenant that the Father and the Son made, the Son said, I will be good for the sheep. I will stand good. That's what a surety does. Yes. You remember Judah? Yes. Willing to stand good for Benjamin yes. to keep the word that he had given unto his Father. He was the surety. So the Lord Jesus in that everlasting covenant became surety for all of us who are the lost sheep. And so in time, in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, and He made under the law that He might redeem them 
that were had, that had fallen under the law, started coming first to Israel, but coming, as we've noted, for the Gentiles. And so he says to one of those sheep by the name of Zacchaeus, who was already quickened because he wanted to see the Lord. He was one of those that was, was looking for the Lord. And the Lord Jesus told him, Zacchaeus, come down for today salvation has come to you. I must abide at your house. But he said, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He finds his lost sheep. There's none of those sheep that he will never find. He will find every one of them. And when he does, he lays that sheep upon his shoulders, as it were, and he carries that sheep home rejoicing. He rejoices in caring for his sheep. He calls his sheep by name. Yes. John chapter 10 tells us in verse 3, and they follow him. Sheep don't want to follow these that are false shepherds. The sheep are going to look for their true shepherds yes. because they are his sheep. And he says concerning his sheep in John chapter 10, let's turn back to, you know, 27, 27 and 28 very well, but I want to read it to you. All of these things going through my mind, I want to get it right. My sheep hear my voice. He's noted that already before. And I know them and they follow me. Now his sheep are going to follow him. They may stray at times, they may stumble, but his sheep are going to follow him. And I give unto them eternal life. Notice that they are sheep before he gives them eternal life. They didn't make themselves sheep by their believing. They were sheep in the everlasting covenant. Yes. Sheep by the gift of the Father to the Son yes. in the election. And he says, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Now we come to consider, finally, the saving of the lost sheep. Let's return to John chapter 10, where we want to notice verses 11 and 15. John chapter 10, verses 11 and 15. Here we read. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. There was a time in my ministry when I did not believe and understand particular redemption. I had been taught in seminary and I learned from others that Christ died for all men equally. But you know, one of the things that I made the mistake of doing, and I'm saying that's <laughs> sarcastically I'm saying I made a mistake of continuing to read the word of God <laughs> when my seminary day was over the first thing I did after I got back home once I had lunch was to read the word of God because when the Lord called me as an 18 year old boy I had sense enough to know if I was going to preach this book I had to study the book now I understood that when he called me to preach, he called me to preach his word. That was plain. Not to preach men's ideas and opinions, right. to preach the word. Right. So it became my habit to start to read the Bible chapter by chapter, book by book, and I've done that for over 60 years, and I still do it. I did it this morning. I'm not going to change. There was an insight that came out of Psalm 45 this morning that I can't wait till I get back to dig into it because I've never seen that before. You do not exhaust this word. And if I were to live to be a hundred, I won't have it all figured out. But I want to tell you what, it causes me to want to come back to it again and again Amen. and again. And I began to read such passages as, as the Lord laid down His life 
for the sheep. <coughs> I came to the doctrines of grace before I met Brother Crawford. A lot of people thought he taught me. No. When I found, I saw the doctrines of grace, then I said, I've got to call and get acquainted with Brother Crawford because I knew that he believed those things and was castigated for it. Yes. But I knew that I had to get in touch with him yes. and find, and I did, found sweet fellowship and we had great fellowship through the years. But the Lord Jesus says again in, in, uh, in verse 11, I think I gave that to you, that he had given his life for the sheep. And then in verse 15, I lay down my life for the sheep. And then our text verse, that now the God of peace that brought again from the dead that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Particular redemption is here taught clearly in the scriptures. Our old Baptist forefathers were called particular Baptists. Mm -hmm. That didn't mean they were picky Baptists. They were particular in the, about the atonement. Yes. There were general Baptists that believed that the atonement was made for all men without exception. Yeah. If that be the case, there are people in hell, and everybody has to admit there's people in hell, for whom Christ died. Yeah. That be the case, His death didn't do anything. It was what we did to save us. Oh, that's, right. that's it. That can't be, according no. to Scripture. Amen. So the old Baptists that believed that Christ died for the sheep were called particular Baptists. Yes. And that is a true teaching of Scripture. Yes. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Lord Jesus was given all of us as his people who are saved, who are the elect. Yes. And in seed form, we were his in seed form. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. He shall see his seed. When he died, he saw you, he saw me, he saw each of the one. He knew for whom he was dying. Amen. He laid down his life for a particular people. When Paul preaches concerning the death of Christ, he doesn't preach a general atonement. No. But God commendeth his love toward us. In the while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Pay attention to the pronouns. They are very important in the scriptures. And the good shepherd, when he died, paid the sin debt of his sheep in full with his blood and by his death. And he redeemed us to himself. Now, the very fact of redemption, redeeming, if people pay attention to words, you know what mankind wants to do? Mankind doesn't like language. So he's always changing words to fit what he believes. Look at what all the words that are being used and tossed around that have not a thing in the world to do with reality that people out here on their own have coined, you coin words, and they make up words that have made no sense whatsoever. The fact that we were redeemed means that we were His to start with. And we became lost in the fall. And He brought us back. What do you do with something that was yours? You take it to a pawn shop if you want to get some money and you get some money for it. What do you have the right to do within a certain amount of time? You redeem it. That is right. Because it was yours. And that, that right is yours. He redeemed us by His blood. Christ has suffered the just 
for the unjust. That's what we were, unjust. He suffered what I should suffer. Yes. He laid down his life and paid for me with his own precious blood. So Paul writes, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And John says, and I love 1 John 7, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses, and that's a present tense verb. Yes. A present tense verb means continuous action. Yes. He, he cleanses and keeps on, his blood cleanses and keeps on cleansing us from sin. We keep on sinning, do we not? The next verse says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. By the way, we sin in the old man. Yes. The new man doesn't sin. First John 3, 9, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him and he cannot sin because he's born of God. You have to watch some of the modern, they want to make that, well, he doesn't keep on practicing sin. No, the new man is created in righteousness and true holiness. He doesn't sin, but this old flesh does. That's right. When the godly Satan, Apostle Paul said, I know that in me that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. I don't know how anybody else can claim anything good in the flesh. That's why I lie. It's not perfect. But the new man lives forever and ever, does he not? The Lord Jesus Christ, as the surety of the sheep then, bore the penalty of their sins, which is death. We should have died. But he died in our place. Yes. And he has saved us by the blood of the everlasting covenant. Amen. The night before he died, he instituted the Lord's Supper. Yeah. And he said, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many not all without exception for many yes. <laughs> Hebrews 10 and verse 5 speaks of our Lord <coughs> sacrifice and offering thou wilt not but a body thou hast prepared me now you see the Lord Jesus Christ the one to whose image and whose image we were created by the way and whose image we're going to be we've been restored and we will be restored physically to his image his, he, he did not have blood because the blood is the life of the physical flesh. Yes. You know how it all works. You know what happens when you don't eat. Your blood sugar gets low. You got to eat. The Lord Jesus Christ took a mortal body in the womb of the virgin. Mm -hmm. A body that was specially prepared to die. He knew what it was to be hungry. He knew what it was to be thirsty. Right. He knew what it was to be tired, weary, sleepy, to suffer. And he knew what it was to lay down his life. And he laid down his life for his people. Amen. And he shed that blood, which, by the way, was not the blood of fallen Adam. No, no, no. The church is purchased with the blood of Christ. Amen. God. That's what Acts 20, 28 says. It is, we get a lot of things in our minds. This book will keep everything straight in the mind yeah, if you stay in the book. Yes. Believe what it says. Believe it rather than what we believe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just because I believe something doesn't make it true. But when God says it in His Word, it's true. Amen. That's what you want to believe. Yes, sir, sir. And many times we get carried away here on these things. What does the Scripture say concerning Christ in Revelation 13a? He's the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Yeah. Slain because of the everlasting covenant. And there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, 
Christ Jesus. We're talking about him in his manhood because it was as the man that he died. God doesn't die. God's immortal. But he tasted death. The last scripture that fell in my mind that had caused me to believe in, in the general atonement was Hebrews 2.9. I want to take you there and we'll share this with you. Hebrews 2.9. I examined many scriptures, but this one was really a hang-up. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9. I want you to see how it reads, and I will make a comment on it. 2.9. But we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Now you can understand why I was holding on to that because I thought every man here was referring to all mankind without exception. Was I ever surprised when I read in the Greek text that it's not man, it is everyone. That is an indefinite pronoun. When you have an indefinite pronoun, you've got to have either a noun or a definite pronoun to tell you who the indefinite pronoun is. Who is the every man, every one of these for whom he should taste death? Look at the next verse. For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, and bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. The many sons that he has chosen. That is who it is. That is every one of them for whom our Lord Jesus Christ tasted death. And I can announce to you this morning that the Good Shepherd is still seeking His sheep. Amen. He is still saving souls. Yes. They do not seek Him. That's right. We read in Romans 3.11, there is none that seeketh after God. No, not one. Men are blinded by sin. They don't even know they need a Savior until they're quickened. You know, when you became convicted of sin, it wasn't before you were born again. It was after. Because you're dead before that. Right. Dead in trespasses and sin. When He convicted you and He brought new birth, did you understand all the causes of that new birth? No. Just like in your physical birth. You can't even remember any of those things. But when you are quickened of the Holy Spirit and made alive, things start changing. And one of the things is that you're going to hear the Gospel with ears that you've never had before. And you're going to hear what it is. And it's going to mean something to you. The year that the Lord was meeting with me as a 15-year-old boy, my dad and I were hoeing either cotton, watermelons, I can't remember what the crop was, because I can't remember anything but what the Holy Spirit was doing and quickening. And I, I, had, I had been convicted of sin before the night I went forward and told everybody the Lord to save me. I'd already been convicted because I'd been quickened to life. That's what He does. When you start to be troubled about your soul, write it down. He's already brought new life to you. But you need them to follow Him yes. as the Good Shepherd. You listen to His voice. He comes after His sheep and they are there to, to follow Him when He finds them. He comes even into church services. Do you know that? He comes even into church services like this to seek His sheep. And the voice that you're going to hear that counts is not the voice of the preacher. It is the voice of the Lord. Amen. Behold, the hour is coming now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. That verse is not talking about the future resurrection. You've got to go down to verse 28 to get marvel not at this. The hour is coming which the, those that are in the grave. We weren't in the grave, but we were dead in trespasses and sin. And He quickened us to life when He spoke that way. You remember 
that uh, Jesus said to Martha and Lazarus when they met. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. And he said, whosoever liveth and believeth in me. You notice that order? God never gets anything out of order. Man does. But God doesn't. Whosoever liveth and believeth. You live before you believe. Dead people don't believe much. Not anything. But those that are alive do. Is the great shepherd of the sheep seeking you today? Let's bow before you. Father, we thank you. We thank you for our great shepherd. We thank you that you brought him again from the dead. And that you made peace with fallen mankind through the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our peace. We thank you for the blood of the everlasting covenant. We thank you that our Lord Jesus was the surety. And that he paid the penalty that we were due to pay. And thank you that we have life in Him. We have forgiveness of sins. We have acceptance in the Beloved. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that that you loved us with a love that you gave your life for us in order to save. May we praise you, worship you, and serve you with all of our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.